Hello and welcome to INE Live. I'm your host, Jack Reedy, and today I'll be speaking with Dr. Amanda Martin as we discuss eLearn Security Junior Penetration Testing Version 2, aka EGPT V2. This is your first time watching. Welcome. We are streaming live across social media platforms right now, including LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, as well as a couple others. Uh, before we get started, I want to remind everyone that we want to hear from you. If you want to get involved, we have two options. For the first, be sure to like, follow, subscribe with the notifications turned on for whichever platform you're using so you can see the next time that we go live. And for the second, feel free to drop any questions you might have in the chat with a queue in front of them. And the mods will grab them and send them my way, and we'll make sure that I answer them live on stream. With that, I want to go ahead and bring on our Dr. Amanda Martin, our instructional designer, to discuss the ins and outs of the new EJPTV2 certification and some of the decisions that we made along the way. Amanda, how are you doing today? Hey, Jack. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing, I'm doing great. Uh, can you do me a favor real quick and sure. introduce yourself and provide a little bit of information on your background for the audience? Absolutely. Well, hello, everyone. Again, I'm Dr. Amanda Martin. Um, I am an instructional designer and product manager for the certification portfolio here at INE. Um, I've been working at INE for the past year, really helping get the certification product line up and running, listening to your feedback, support, um, just to make sure we have some really, really great exams for you all so that way you could advance yourselves and your professional and personal careers and meet those goals. Excellent. Excellent. So we are coming up on EJP TV to a lot of hype around it. We just published the PTS surrounding that. So want to talk a little bit about what is the EJPT, a uh, little bit on the background itself as well, and uh, allow the students also to see if we can answer their questions that they might already have and if they have something unique that we weren't planning on. But let's talk about the background a little bit. So this is an eLearn security certification. Um, it costs $200 to start. It is approximately now the one that we currently have, V1, it features 20 questions and three days of access to our lab environment. With that, with the beta coming before the summer is out, what is the updates that we've made to V2 as far as some of the questions and things like that? Yeah, so we have done a lot of work uh, between EJPT V1 and V2. We had an awesome set of instructors working on this, as well as Jack, who's on this call here, uh, really looking at what made EJPT V1 so awesome. So we took and kept those essential pieces and then we elevated them. We did things like dynamic flagging, which is going to be really fun. So basically what that means for you all is that you have a really interactive way um, to engage with our exam that will be unique to each user every single time you go in. So your questions are constantly changing. So you're constantly being challenged and getting exposure to those real world situations that you're going to see in the platform. Additionally, we've expanded the content that you'll be seeing in EJPTV2, which is really exciting. We've added two new domains, which is absolutely amazing based off what some of the gaps in the industry we were seeing were um, and how the EJPT role, how the junior penetrate penetration tester role has evolved since we made V1 of this. Um, additionally, we've really just gone a little bit more macro. We focused on those methodologies, right? We want to make sure, regardless of where you go um, and who you're starting with, that you really have the foundational concepts of what it takes to be a junior penetration tester um, confidently nailed, and that you can go in really just rocking the boat on day one with your skill set and be able to show it. So we took all of those to really 
um, elevate this. It was already an amazing certification exam, but we definitely expanded and elevated to make your skill set more unique and this just more encompassing and awesome. So, yeah, and um, wanted to touch on something real quick because one of the users asked uh, immediately off the bat. So this is going to remain with the update at $200 price point, correct? And it is still targeted yes. at a fundamentals level for new students, right? Absolutely. Yeah, those two things aren't changing. Excellent. Excellent. So also with that, let's back up a little bit. We, we kind of <laughs> deep dive really fast. Um, Let's talk about the decision-making process. We started with an evaluation of where EJPT was version one mm -hmm. as it starts. Can we talk a little bit about the concept of backwards design and where we came to the evaluation point of what changes we made? Absolutely. So everything we do at INE is based um, within this instructional design theory of backwards design. So the products that you're experiencing always, always start with the end in mind. We are really focused on what it is that we can do to make sure you hit those goals, those milestones in your career. So we look at the end result and we say, okay, if, we, if this is what their end result is and this is what their goal is, how do we backtrack it to get them there? What content do we need to feature? What labs do we need to have? What things do we need to test on to make sure that by the end of this, they have what they need to succeed in whatever career it is that they so choose. So we start with that end in mind philosophy, and then we go from there. We determine what the end result is. Um, then we start doing some mapping, which is a whole lot of fun. We go through and we basically break it down step by step to say, what are you learning along the way to make sure we get you to this goal? Then we take that information once our mapping's done, we go ahead and film our content while it's fresh and ready in our mind. We create some supplemental instruction around that and bada bing, bada boom, sounds easier than it is, takes a long time, but bada bing, bada boom, you have yourself, you know, this awesome content that is really grounded in this holistic, more macro level scope. Absolutely. One of the things with that as well, if I can uh, get the screen share to kick in. Uh, wanted to show that with that idea and with those outcomes, we designed the PTS, the Penetration Testing Student V2. If you have not seen it yet, this is the actual learning path itself on our platform. And in that, we had Josh Mason and Alexi Ahmed create what is necessary, right, to meet those goals and objectives. Now, the nice part about this is what you were talking about with the evaluation prospect. We looked at what are the outcomes? What do we want the student mm -hmm. to learn from? And then we were able to sit down with the instructors who helped us in this and go, hey, to get the student to this point, to get the student to this perspective, where do we need to go? And they came up with this wonderful matrix of, and what I believe you were talking about previously, which was the domains, right, from mm -hmm. the testing perspective. And we came with, we have the penetration testing student that will fully prepare you to take the certification. That, that's correct, right? Absolutely. And we have, um, there's a couple different pieces that I didn't touch on just a moment ago, but these instructors, you know, they also are doing market research, right? So they are plugged in all the time to what's happening in the cybersecurity world to fill those gaps. And I think that's an essential part of this too. So we're looking at different competitors. We're looking at the way the market's moving and are making sure that we're featuring content as a part of our initial goal when we first start that goal setting to make sure that's included, as well as doing some risk assessment as well. So really comprehensive process, a lot of thinking in the forefront, but it really just allows us to provide this awesome scope of material that really gets you to where you need to be. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And with the, I mean, the information is there, it's available. So students can start right now doing the studying and the testing. In total, we have 229 videos, 120 different labs that are involved with the EJPT itself. So it's a lot of material, which gives, you know, 144 hours for a duration count in there as well. So that, because we've released it ahead of time, we now have students that are able to stud study on this particular information, and then they'll be prepared to take the exam, like I said, coming out in beta form uh, before the summer's out. Um, now, I wanted to address a little bit of the, um, some of the changes that we made to the certification. You know, can you talk about the exam environment, how that's uh, been modified a little bit without giving too much away, of course? Yeah, so the exam environment is going to be very hands-on and it's very much um, just super comprehensive. So it's really exciting to be able to get in there and practice what you know. I think that's something that's really set the EJPT apart from other certifications on the market. And we're continuing that spirit in V2 where we want you to get in and play with it. So the use of that dynamic flagging, we have some additional testing features within the platform that are really, really cool um, for time management to decrease anxiety. We want it to be the best user experience possible. So we have things set up for you, like leave feedback on each question, leave feedback at the end, because y'all know I read every single piece of feedback you send in. So send it to me. We have timers there that you can enable and disable. We have flagging features. So if you're not sure about a question, flag it and come back to it. Um, and within the lab environment itself, this is an automatic grading feature, guys. So this is this is different and this is exciting and updated. So you'll be able to get those results instantaneously, which is really cool um, because we now do have that automated in on the back end. So you'll finish your lab examination portion. You'll hit that submit button and then you'll be able to see a breakdown of how you did on the exam, as well as how you did in each individual section by domain and objective, which is pretty cool. So if you decide to take it again, you know what areas you might have really excelled at and which ones you need to brush up on. And then you can also use that information for additional studying in the future. Even if you pass, it's always good to keep up with those sections. So you have that report to go ahead and see that through. Absolutely. And with that too, I mean, you kind of brought up something that's one of the newer uh, features of the testing environment, which is the dynamic flagging injections. Yes. So um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? And uh, yeah. I mean, specifically, we can go back and forth on it because, you know, we've been uh, working with the instructors to help develop it. But so it's a new feature. It's something that I'm really excited about. Yes, I think it's going to make it for an even more awesome experience because essentially what it boils down to is we really want you to be exposed to what's happening in these in these jobs, right? And the only way to do that is to have this fresh question set, this fresh take on these questions. In order to do that, we've created the dynamic flagging feature, which means that you'll get questions on your exam where you'll go into the lab environment and have to go seek out the answer. But for every single person that takes the exam and every single time that you might take the exam, the answer to that question is going to be different. It changes. So what that means for you is you're getting extra practice with some of those features that you'll be doing within a junior penetration penetration tester role. Um, and you're finding those and getting those in different locations with different answers each time. So it makes your testing experience unique to you um, and allows you to continue to grow even while you're in the testing environment. Absolutely. And with it, what, what's really nice about that too, is it injects a level of randomness to the mm -hmm. answers in the questions. So that way you will be the only individual that ever receives some of these questions, period. Um, it also, one of the nice features is it adds to the reliability of the exam and the longevity of it because, because it adds credibility to it. It becomes much more difficult for individuals to try and cheat. 
you know, absolutely. It, you can't you can't write an answer exam for something that's automatically generated, randomly assigned, and you know it's a value that's never been asked for. So that's something that's unique as well that I'm really really uh, happy with. On that, um, why don't we talk about the focus on methodologies? Absolutely. So we can kind of talk a little bit about that and. I think our methodologies here, I mean, did you want to focus more on methodologies for how we crafted the exam or what, which, well, there's so I, many. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very true. Um, on specifically how we craft, I mean, we, we talked about how we crafted this already with the evaluation of this, but more so on focusing on the methodologies itself within the exam type, you know, I, I gotcha. think that there's something to be said in the workplace where I, I've never been a big fan of sitting down and book knowledge to book knowledge type of test taking. Um, right. I don't think that it it gives you a good sense of what a person's skill set is. And also, mm -hmm. let's be honest, Google is a thing. It's always a thing whenever you're working, you can go and look up answers, right? Absolutely. Yeah, so that's... I've had really great insight from the instructors and they really felt passionately about this. And we implemented this all the way through to the end for your testing experience. Cause again, we want to make it as real as possible for you on what that's actually going to look like when you're in these positions. So what that meant was an extended period of time. We don't have proctors looking over your shoulder. You can take this, you know, within our two day timeframe. Um, so you have enough time to do those things, Jack, that you were talking about. So when you're on the job and you don't know an answer, at least we're going to train you where to look. So we'll teach you what keywords to enter into Google so you can find that answer more quickly and more efficiently and apply that information. Um, so the really the goal was to make sure that we drop you into an environment that simulates what you're actually going to be facing each day, making sure that it's as realistic and comfortable as possible. Do we provide extra little tidbits here and there on the exam to boost you know, your confidence with that and your comfort level with the material? Absolutely. We included some UX-based features to make it that testing experience more comfortable. When it came down to it, we really made sure that even your testing environment simulated what you're going to see because that is the only way to feel confident, comfortable, and prepared for the workforce you're about to enter and be able to really do that role well. Absolutely. On top of that, though, you know, one of the biggest changes I would say between uh, version one and version two is we increased both the complexity and the difficulty and then reduced the time frame on it. I think that, you know, we that was a decision that we went back and forth on between the instructors, the ultimate outcomes and things like that. And one thing I wanted to address there was, yeah, it is it's more difficult. But with that, if you're able to pass the exam and get there, you really have certified that you're ready for a job, a job role, right? Absolutely. And that's what we pride ourselves here on INE. We're not seeking to make you guys just those basic entry junior penetration testers. We're elevating you even in those beginning startup roles, right? So we want to make sure when you walk in and you're on a team of new junior penetration testers, that you're leading those conversations, even within that novice level team, that your contributions are sound and that they're confident and that you know what you're talking about. So is a little bit more challenging than B1? Absolutely. Does it break you beyond that novice level into that next level up? No, we still did keep it novice, but again, we're really focused here on elevating to make sure that you're a rock star day one and looked at as the key contributor in your work environment. Um, so I'm also getting right now, sorry, I, as I'm looking away from the camera because I'm getting several of your questions at the same time, guys. I wanna make sure that I'm <laughs> capturing all of these as we go. Um, so, uh, 
I believe it's Raja asked a really great one. Will the exam have objective type questions or black box hacking or direct questions to be answered very explicitly? I, I love that question. I, I stopped for a second just to make sure we copied it down so we could ask it. Um, yes, the answer is yes. It's going to have all three te uh, technically. Um, <laughs> so with that, you'll have task based objectives where um you know go find this piece of information go find that piece of information there are definitely black boxes on there you're not going to know everything about the boxes that's part of penetration testing is identifying what environment you're sitting in currently and where you want to go um we've intentionally added boxes in there that may or may not have anything to do with the test you have to decide so with that as well the direct questions to be answered of course there's it's penetration testing, there are some flag questions that are involved in there, right? Um, there are questions that are related to what do you currently see or what are you looking for? And then there's stuff that you're not going to know all the information about that box and you have to identify it. So the answer to your question, Bridget, is yes, <laughs> it's all three of those items, right? With that, Amanda, can you talk a little bit about the difficulty when we're adding this type of complexity when it comes to testing because normally when you when you talk about certifications outcomes and things like that i i remember that we kind of ran very early on into something i think that was new for you where this is a skills-based assessment so yes. you have certain questions that answer the bill for a couple different knowledge domains right Absolutely. So this is a little bit different from those who might have, you know, dabbled in both areas of cloud and cybersecurity and may have been exposed to the ICCA. So it was a little bit different for me too, embarking on that journey of building this because the, um, the EJPT is a hands-on exam. So ICCA is broken into two different sections, right? We have the standalone multiple choice where you're tested on your knowledge of basic things within the three cloud providers, um, theories, models, things of that nature. And then they had a practical hands-on portion. Well, the EJPT is a little bit different because it is all hands-on. You are in that lab setting, you are finding those pieces, you're reporting, you know, whatever it is the question's asking you to do or find. I almost think of it like a capture the flag type style in some degree. Um, but it's hard, you know, when you're creating questions for that, because we want to make sure we're not losing we're not losing the educational piece of that. And we're crafting questions in a way that meets those best practices that we had and we really made sure we abided by for the ICCA. So it's a little bit challenging as an instructional designer to say, okay, if we're making an action-based exam, what are those best practices? How do we model these questions and these um, activity-based tasks to make sure that it's coming across to our audience well um, and that it doesn't confuse anybody and it's direct. So to do that, it was a little challenging as well as breaking up these things into objectives and domains. You know, with the ICCA, it really was very heavily um, knowledge-based type of certification questions, right? So you're really being able to think of what the answer is without having to look at a lab environment. We immersed you in scenarios, um, you know, straight multiple choice questions, accept based multiple choice questions and choose two and select two. We couldn't exactly do it with this specific environment because of the nature of the exam. So it did take some time to kind of figure out and piece together the most effective way to deliver this active type of exam and that active type of content. Um, but I'm really happy with the end result. There was a lot of thought that went into teaching, learning, delivery content. And I think it really is going to make for a really um, 
exciting exam that brings all the pieces of V1 that you loved and delivers them a little bit different ways that has you engaged a little bit more than it did the first time. Absolutely. So, you know, there's pros and cons to everything in the way that we've set this up. One of the things that we addressed early on um, when the planning stages were happening uh, very, you know, so many months ago was we wanted this, and I mean this to be both PTS and EJPT to be available, right? Yes. In that decision-making process, as, as is pretty normal. Um, there are pros and cons to everything. So let's address, you know, some of the elephants in the room that involve with, you know, the way that we decided to do this, because we went with a browser based testing capability, right? So from a user experience, the user is going to, you know, purchase the voucher, get ready, set and go on the lab exam, and they are going to drop into a browser based environment, correct? Yes. Yes. So when they first go into the environment, um, you will see the questions, but you will also basically be toggling back and forth between two tabs. So the examination instrument will prompt you to have um, the exam questions open in one window and then the lab environment opened in the secondary. So basically every question that you'll experience is something that directly relates to what you're doing in the second window within the lab environment. Absolutely. And with that, uh, one of the biggest things that, you know, doing this, we've made it very accessible. Now, mm -hmm. to address the elephant in the room, the f number one thing that I generally hear is, why didn't we go with VPN? Why didn't we mm -hmm. do, you know, or, um, you know, why, why didn't we utilize people, you know, something like that, that's a realism. The idea there, you know, and it was a decision that we all made together as far as you, me, the instructors as well. The idea there was we wanted it to be available. We wanted it to be accessible. Um, in order to do that, not everybody can jump into a VPN. What I mean by that is some businesses, they block VPN access and you would have to reconfigure that in order to take the test or go to a different, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. right. Um, do you think that you know we we can let me rephrase this we had considered the realism factor here mm -hmm. with that when we made this decision one of the things that we were considering on this is what is the important part of this you know the effect of this decision making right can yeah. you talk about that a little bit Absolutely. So from an instructional design standpoint, we, we see the value in both, right? It's important to have things that you're going to experience in the real world. And that has been what primarily has led our decision making in every aspect of certification. What do our users like? Where is it they want to get to? And what is going to help them be the best they can possibly be within their roles? That's been at the forefront of our conversation. However, on the flip side, it was very important, at least from an instructional design standpoint, to make sure that, as Jack said, this was accessible. When we're talking about teaching and learning, environment matters. The stability of your environment matters. Many of you who are watching right now probably have your own study habits. You might have that favorite place you like to study at that coffee shop or at your desk, or if you were like me at your bar stool because it's close to the kitchen refrigerator. You know, we all have our places, but we wanted to keep that mentality and honor that from a teaching and learning standpoint within this exam. And how we did that is we made sure that we use that browser based here because what it does is it removes the blockers, it removes the barriers, and it gives you that stability. 
if we're trying to teach you all information and test you on that information, we're not testing you on how you overcome a VPN-based issue. We're not testing you on how you, you know, get into that VPN and, and sync up with it. We're more concerned about the information that we chose to target, right? So we're, we'd wanna remove that blocker so you can demonstrate what you just learned. So you can recall that information, synthesize that information and apply that information in a setting that doesn't make you pull your attention somewhere else for a piece that was not instrumental in this specific stage in your career. So it was a hard decision to make because again, we see pros and cons to both sides and try to honor both sides of this. But when it comes to teaching and learning, the best thing that we could possibly do is give you all an environment that's stable so you can show what you know without having to remove all those blockers and all those barriers and get frustrated before starting that process. So for stability purposes, that's where we were coming from there. Well, and then there's also, and you know, Rajat asked a very um, great question and that kind of plays into this surprisingly that I don't think yeah. you even realize uh, they realize this. Um, I am having a medium powered laptop with eight gigabytes of RAM. Will that be enough to go through the exam? Yes, it will. Because here's the thing, because we've designed this intentionally to be browser based, the processing power is built into the, you know, the cloud environment. You don't have to worry about what system you're on or how good your equipment is or anything else like that, because it, as long as you can access the browser and you have a good enough internet connection to be able to stream the videos and things like that, that's already part of our platform, then you'll be able to, you know, compete, if you will, just the same as anybody else. It levels the playing field. It's equity across the board. It gives everybody the same starting point to evaluate themselves, right? Absolutely. And that's so what we're it, really focused on too, from an instructional design standpoint, Jack. I'm so glad you said that word is equity of experience, right? So mm -hmm. we are really taking that approach within the new courses and certifications that we're developing is how do we make sure everyone can get this information in a way that makes sense to them, can even access it, you know, from wherever they're at in the world, whatever time of day, whatever systems and hardware that they're using, how do we make sure that we provide an equitable experience at INE? as part of us, as part of our philosophy. So I'm so glad you brought up that word because that is the root of it, is equity of experience and accessibility. Exactly, and accessibility is the name of the game here. So I understand, and I, I, I really want our audience right now to really hear me when I say this. We hear you, we understand. It was not a small decision to remove the VPN access, but like I said, we are looking to make sure that everybody has a chance to experience the training, the education, as well as take the exam as well. That was a big part of the decision-making capabilities. With that, I'm going to go ahead and hit on a second uh, elephant in the room. Why is there no reporting feature? It's penetration testing. There should be a report. I understand. Fully get it. Um, Amanda, you know, with that reporting feature, I think something that we really need to discuss is, should there, should we have included write a report after you finish this particular exam. You know, is that something that's there? One of the things that we identified um, for entry level individuals that would be sitting in this role is that generally speaking, the reports they write usually don't go straight to the customer, right? They go to a team lead to who evaluates the reports, makes final edits, makes grammatical changes, it's things like that. Um, and then that individual would be the one submitting reports, correct? 
Yes, from what well, from what I am aware of, yes. And um, you guys know, I, I I confer with some amazing people on the cybersecurity team about anything subject matter related. But we want to make sure, again, going back to what you're going to experience realistically within that role. You know, we talked about this before. You know, as a group, that there might be exceptions where you might be writing a report in those that first you know junior penetration tester role. But for a majority of the field, you won't be doing that until you get a little bit more in an elevated role, a little step up from the uh, junior penetration tester. So to prepare you again, we wanted to make sure we focus and we didn't sacrifice some of that crucial information that we know you're going to experience day one. So when we're talking about coverage and depth, right? I think we walked a really, really fine line here and we did it well, because could we have included that report information? Absolutely. Would it have made the most sense or been a crucial part of your role day one? No. So we chose to focus on depth here to make sure you got what you need to the depth that you need it so you can go in day one and perform. Will that piece come back around in other certifications? Yes, because we do know that's a part of your role, right? But we're going to make sure we put it in a place that makes sense so you can digest it in the flow of the role that you would have naturally within the workforce. On top of that, going back to the accessibility option, right? As we add from a standpoint, as we add in features, requirements and limitations, right? That's increasing the size of the gateway. This being mm -hmm. a fundamental for a fundamental audience, a new, newer audience, things like that. We want to make sure that it remained accessible at a, at a very accessible price point. It's one of the uh, cheaper exams on the entire marketplace by design by design we want it to be your first exam and we know what that price point is for your first exam if we add in reporting features that means that somebody has to grade that that can make the cost go up there's so much that's been beyond this we have intentionally designed taken this and made sure that it is um, accessible ready to go anybody can do it and they can you know they can gain access to it just all they need is the browser and the ability for an internet connection which the internet connection is not even that taxing you know, it's um, so I think we, we've covered a couple of the elephants in the room that are there. The most common questions or concerns that we get whenever it comes to the design of the exam, the design of the training so far. I wanted to take a second real quick to um, hit some of the and I keep seeing it in chat as well, guys. I'm, I'm reading the chat as well. I wanted to take a second with Amanda to talk about uh, update paths, you know, release dates, things like that. So one of the things is, can vouchers be transferred from V1 to V2? And real, I wanted to very clearly state this to everyone. Yes, but the process will not be available until the certification goes live. Okay, right. Um, two, when will this be coming out? The beta will be running before the summer is out. The beta will be running before the summer is out. I know. I'm very excited too. He's I so just. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. For all of you who want to participate in the beta, I'm doing a plug here. Um, you will know because we will have it all over our platform. There will be a two week registration period. So you have that time. You'll basically go to our website. We'll share that link all over our socials. Uh, make sure that you guys get access to it. And it's a free beta. So it doesn't cost you anything. If you meet our requirements for a beta, we'll let you know. We'll email you and we'll send you those next steps so you can start your EJPT V2 beta journey. And we're very excited about it. So stay tuned and watch on our socials because we'll be getting that information out to you all soon.
Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then I've, I've seen this comment a couple times. Is PTS enough? Is PTS enough to study for to pass this certification? Good question. Um, we had talked about this. So with any organization, you know, we we want to get you the best, most innovative information that we have out there. That means using the best experts that we have, predicting where your field is going based off of trends that we're seeing, platforms that are being more utilized, technology that's coming into play that wasn't even days or months ago. I would say, you know, Jack and I had a conversation about this earlier, but I would say that this will get you about 80% of the way there. Right. We are going to impart that information that you have got to know day one. We're going to get you familiar with the terms, the tools, the strategies that you'll be using as a junior penetration tester. Um, but, you know, all the instructors that have worked on this were very clear about, you know, we can have everything at your fingertips, but there are going to be some things that we just can't anticipate. So that's why we say that 80%. There's going to be some things that you'll learn while you're on the job. And that's just a natural part of this process and this role. But the key is, is we're setting you up to when you get to those places where you might not have experienced that remaining 20%, you've got the understanding of the models that you're using, of the strategies that you're using, of the tools that you're using. So even if you don't know the exact answer, you're experiencing it for the first time, you have a baseline understanding of what's going on and how to find the answers. So while we're prep you as best as we can and get you most of the way there, there'll be a little bit that you'll have to do on your own, but we'll make sure you have the tools to at least know where to look when you get to those situations. Absolutely. With that, I got a great question from, uh, I believe it's Stefan. I'm not going to try that last name. Uh, <laughs> working 100% and having a family, uh, having a family with household and child tasks. How is someone able to do such a long exam? Want to talk about the exam length? Because one, we shortened it. We went from three days to two days. Yeah. Um, two, two, 48 hours seems like a lot, right? But here's the thing: that is the length of time that the lab is available. The actual uh, estimation right now for somebody to take and pass this exam is approximately four to six hours. However, asterisk, asterisk, <laughs> that four to six hours is from somebody that already works in the field, is a professional that works in penetration testing, um, understands and knows the steps to go through it. So we provide up to 48 hours for somebody who is new to this field to figure out the exam. We don't expect you to sit in a chair for 48 hours. There's a reason why this is not proctored. Um, yeah. It's designed to replicate the work that you would do on a real penetration test, which means that if you're having trouble, it can you can do you know two days worth of eight to 10 hours each. You might put 20 hours in and then pass the test. For somebody that's not having trouble, has a lot of experience in this, it could be you know four to six hours, they can finish it up in an afternoon. Realistically speaking, to assess your skill set with a hands-on non-proctored exam, we wanted to give you a reasonable amount of time to test yourself while also, um, you know, like I said, we don't, we don't want to add a proctor into this. We don't want to have somebody looking over your shoulder while you're doing it because that's not realistic. It's okay to Google on this test. We, in fact, we encourage it. In fact, I believe it's actually required in some instances, unless you just have an encyclopedia, uh, encyclopedic type of memory, um, you know, because when you do vulnerability assessment in an actual pen test, you have to look up and research what vulnerabilities exist for this type of system. No one's going to remember things just off the bat like that, you know? Um, well, I mean, I'm not going to say no one. People will, but still, point being is that 
the expectation for somebody that's new to the field is you're going to do research and that's good. You should be doing research. You should stay up to the date, you know, up to date on things and you might need to look things up. That's fine. That's very real to life. And that's what this test is designed to do real to life. Can you do these skills? Absolutely. And every decision it keeps, you guys will hear us say that all the time, but that's because again, it's at the heart of what we do, making it realistic, making sure that you're prepared by giving the most authentic experience possible when it doesn't compromise quality or your educational learning and retention. Exactly. Caveat, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of asterisks here. There was, you know, it's, I think the, the concept that we went into this with is we want to provide 80%. For people that are unfamiliar with the 80-20 rule, uh, you know, it is 20% um, of your work will go into 80% of your outcome, and then the last remaining 80% of your work will go into the last remaining 20%. With that type of thought process in mind, we wanted to provide 80% of, at, at minimum, we wanted to give you 80% of what you will do in this job field, right? The last 20% is something that you'll gain from experience on the job and, you know, the application of what you learn in the certification once you're sitting in the seat, right? So the goal is not to give you 100% of the answers, if you will, to what you're going to do in a job place. I don't think that there's a training program out there that has that expectation. It's un That's unrealistic. The goal is to give you an understanding of just about everything that we can reasonably. So that way, when you sit down, you don't feel like a fish out of water. You know, you've, you've put your hands space. in Absolutely. Leaders in this space. That's what we aim for. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so we've talked about the version one versus version two, the upending. I know I saw a question previously about what's going to happen to V1. We do have a sundown plan, uh, what we, you know, an end of life plan, if you will, for V1, but we want to make sure that V2 takes care of everything, covers everything down appropriately, works appropriately as we're expecting, and everyone, you know, is very happy with the results, all right? Mm -hmm. And then we will eventually be, you know, sunsetting uh, V1, sundowning, sunsetting, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Same difference. And I do want to go ahead and, and touch real quick on, if you have an EJPT V1 certification right now, don't worry. It's not going anywhere. I do want to make that clear. You earned that. That is yours to keep. Even though V2 is coming out, and this is how this is going to work for other certifications in this line as well. If you see a V2, great. You're welcome to take you know that new learning path, watch that content, and get the V2 cert as well. Um, but I do want to make sure that everyone's clear on that. If you have a V1, when V2 comes out, nothing happens to that V1. That is yours. Uh, we highly recommend if you are already studying for V1 to go ahead and supplement with the v2 right um, it's about to come out that learning path for ejpt v2 is more extensive it covers some of those demands that we talked about so if you want the most up-to-date information and knowledge just watching ejpt v1 content for this upcoming beta won't do you justice here you've got to watch the new content and fill in those holes that were identified by our instructors and then elaborated on in our courses so i wanted to make sure you guys were plugged in with that as well Keep your certs, go forward with our V2 and make sure you watch the new learning path information. Absolutely. And with that too, I, I've seen a couple questions about how do you get access to P, uh, PTSV2. So it's part of our fundamentals pass. There's a month, you have a monthly option. You also have a yearly option to gain access to it. It is uh, extremely competitively, competitively priced. Like I said, there is a big focus at the fundamentals level to make sure that like we see you, we see the audience. 
if you are trying to break into the cybersecurity industry, fundamentals is great for you. And it's intentionally priced to be something that is affordable, accessible, and that individuals can, you know, um, have an opportunity to participate in. So, um, we answered that. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm taking a look at everyone real quick. If you have any more questions, please feel free to drop them in the chat, put a queue in front of them. I'm making sure looking back at what I've been sent so far and, um, making sure that we hit absolutely everything. Uh, da, da, da. So here it is, uh, Alejandro, question one, the exam is completely practical or mist of practical and theoretical content, Q2. What will be the requirements? The usual security distribution and word list are okay. Um, I'm not sure what you mean about security distribution and word list there, Alejandro, if you're talking about like, I, I'm not exactly sure what you're looking for there. As far as what are the requirements, the outcomes are pretty like we have the outcomes clearly listed. There's a blog post that I believe the uh, mods have been posting links to in there. The outcomes are listed as far as the knowledge domains and utilizing PTS as a learning path should 100, like that, that's it. That, that will definitely prepare you for the EJPTV2 as well. Um, yep, that, uh, somebody else asked that as well. Um, yeah, I, you know, if Amanda, I, do you have anything else that you would like to add in or hit, touch on right now? Hello? Oh, I guess I think I might've lost Amanda there. Well, no worries. You know what? I'll, I think that we've answered just about any questions that are out there. If you would like to continue asking questions, you know, we are available at any time we have, um, I'm available via socials at, you know, you can reach me out to me on Twitter. You can reach out to me on uh, Discord, any of the others, as well as uh, per my social tree. You can also hit us up at support at INE.com for any of the information. Um, but that wraps up today's stream. Thank you so much for watching. And if you missed it live, look for the replay across our social channels and on the INE website. We'll be back live on J July 5th to talk about networking in our Juniper courseware. Be sure to like, follow, or subscribe on your choice of social platforms with notifications so you can stay in the loop for details on our next stream and hear about our community giveaways. As always, bring your questions uh, next week, and we'll see you next time. Until then, have a great week.